Talk with Ben Tompkins. Hey, what's going on, man? This is Real Talk. I am Ben Tompkins. We are presented by nobody currently, but these are the mixtape days. And this is actually a pretty exciting episode. This is a special episode. This is a special episode. I bet you never thought that you'd be tuning in to hear me dish on metal music festivals. That's right. That's right. That's what we're doing today. That's what we're doing today. Louder Than Life just took place over the weekend here in Louisville, Kentucky, the Derby City. This is the Derby City Don checking in, baby. And I got to do a show that revolves around what the people give me. And lately, this last weekend, the people in this city gave me lots of Louder Than Life content. So as the weekend went on and I'm chasing this fat 60 ride incentive, new weekend PR, (laughs) no sweat, I ended up realizing quickly that a lot of my rides, I was either taking people down to Louder Than Life or I was picking people up and bringing them back to their hotels or their bars or wherever they were going to go after Louder Than Life. And so a lot of the content this weekend ended up being content related to the festival. And as an avid music festival fan, that's cool with me. Metal isn't necessarily my genre of choice. I, I, I asked myself this, you know, would I go to Louder Than Life if my friends wanted to go? And I was like, uh, uh, I don't know. It just depends on my mood because I like to believe that in the right circumstances, I can certainly find a way to have a good time no matter who's around me. Like, that's the thing. Like, I'm a Gemini, right? So I'm kind of a chameleon. I can blend in with multiple facets of people. And I'm able to go to places and hang out with people regardless of, uh, re- regardless of a lot of different things because I have that ability just to connect with people. So if I was feeling up to it, I'm sure that I could go to Louder Than Life and have a good time. But I I think there are there are, there are like I I I I believe that could happen. Okay, I believe that could happen. But I also think that if I wasn't in the right mood, if I wasn't feeling outgoing or adventurous, or like I had challenged myself to go and have a good time, despite the fact that I really don't like a lot of the music, then. I think I would probably be like, uh, uh, man, like, I don't know. I probably wouldn't go. I probably wouldn't go. This year, obviously, I didn't go. But the weird thing is, being down around the Expo Center and the fairgrounds and the venue that they were hosting this music festival, being down there, even though I didn't physically walk around the grounds, Driving down there, being around all the people, watching people go in, watching people come out, being in the traffic, it felt like I was there. And having all the conversations that I did with people and getting their reactions and reviews and learning all throughout the weekend about a bunch of different stuff that we're going to get to talk about, like mosh pit etiquette and people who were swinging on hooks that were like connected by piercings in their back. And then there was like some clips about representation in terms of female artists that were there, had some good clips about that. Uh, But the bulk of this episode as we get into it later on is some really, really good beef, 
Now, we all love a good beef stew around here, don't we? And holy shit, there was a lot of petty stuff going on between Machine Gun Kelly and fans of the band Slipknot and Corey Taylor. And I I, I just, like, I could, I, I mean, I'm sitting here, you know, I was about to say I could teach a class on it. Well, I could host a podcast about Machine Gun Kelly, comments that he made about Eminem's daughter, beef that he had with Eminem, comments that he made about Corey Taylor and Slipknot and Conor McGregor and all different kinds of just tea that my writers were giving to me. And look, I don't follow metal, so I I have no idea any of the shit that's going on within this realm. To be honest with you, I didn't even know that Machine Gun Kelly had transitioned from rap into rock, kind of a pop-punk sound, okay? But now he's a rocker, and he was at Louder Than Life, and honestly... He was kind of the thing that everybody is writing about. Rolling Stone magazine, XXL magazine, all these different outlets are basically covering the way that he was received there. And he's not getting very favorable (laughs) uh, coverage from his time at the show as most of the outlets are reporting that he was booed off the stage, that people were not feeling it. And I talked to a lot of people who were in the crowd that I've got audio from on today's episode that explain and describe what it was like, what people were actually saying and chanting and doing, how he was being received, and just some reviews on his performance, um, as well as like both sides. I, I have, uh, I do have some comments that were made by another person who was kind of more in defense of MGK and saying, "Well, I don't know what they're talking about, but I don't know what show they were watching." But uh, so we we do have uh, some some balanced reporting here. But hey, like I said at the top, man, I report. And these stories revolve around what the people give me. And this weekend, uh, they were giving me some real talk about Machine Gun Kelly. I mean, like instant reaction as people were leaving and I was taking them back to wherever they needed to go. And I just, I learned a lot. I learned a lot not only about um, Machine Gun Kelly and, and, and all of that stuff, but I also learned a lot about, I thought it was really interesting. You know, like, okay, so... Music is one of those things where uh, it's like acting. There's really nothing that is groundbreaking or or maybe not groundbreaking, but like there's really nothing new. Like you're really not creating anything new because every little thing is either a twist or a borrow or sometimes an outright steal. But like my point is artists constantly borrow from one another. And for somebody to truly create something original, it's really hard to do. It's really hard to do. And as we continue down and get deeper and deeper and deeper into these genres, it really takes a lot for somebody to to do something that sounds totally different, right? But even then, it's like, oh, okay, well, they were influenced by this group and this singer and this person. And, and so you get this confluence of influences that, that, that really, it makes you go, well, that sounds like what they did 50 years ago, you know? So it's, it's this constant state, but people are so young that I don't remember stuff that was maybe borrowed from some of the artists that were in like the fifties or the sixties or the, you know, even like 20 years ago, right? It's like, it's kind of new to me. And that's the beauty of music and the beauty of art and creation. But my point is, I learned about some of the subsets within EDM. Um, 
most notably, there's artists like Skrillex and Excision and Grizz and Datsik and like a handful of others that are within the EDM genre, but they're much different from like Avicii and Kaigo and Sam Felt. And like those guys are much more tropical house, right? But then you get this really hard sounding EDM, like headbanger EDM. Elenium, another artist that has a lot of that sound to it. And, it. and it's almost like a fusion of like metal and funk and electronic music. Some dubstep in there, right? OGs know. But listening to some of the OG metal fans talk about some of the metal bands that have had influences on people like Skrillex and Excision. And that, that to me is cool because then it's like, oh my God, that is really cool. Like I really never thought about that or knew about that. Or yeah, I never stopped to think about like, oh, where did these guys come from and where did their influence come from? Well, it comes in the vein of a lot of the artists that were at Louder Than Life and some of the other artists in the genre, right? So getting to learn about that kind of stuff, like in the history of music, and I just, I'm fascinated by that. Um, I didn't know this, but Louder Than Life is actually one of the biggest metal festivals that exists, and it happens right here in Louisville, Kentucky, every single year. And it even has its own following of people who attend. They're called loudmouths. Like, this is a real thing. And people from all over the country travel into Louisville, Kentucky in order to go to this festival. And, and, and like I said, just being a music festival fan, even though I don't really connect with hardly any of the music at all, I still appreciate the fact that this is, for somebody in the crowd, they're looking at the artists and the lineup and the weekend and the experience and they're going, this is my shit. And even though it's not necessarily me saying that, I still respect and have solidarity with somebody that is willing to go to a music festival and is there for the music and the vibes and the energy. And one of those writers, we're going to end today's episode actually with a clip from him summing up what it's like being back in live music and live crowds post-COVID, fully vaxxed. They had really... um, they had pretty strict COVID requirements for everybody in the crowd, so uh, that was pretty cool. And before I get totally lost on this tangent, I want to follow up with uh, <laughs> the guy that we're going to end with today. He gives a really good description of what it feels like to him being in that crowd again and what live music gives you that nothing else does. And it's a really cool way to end the episode. So we're going to hear from a lot of cool people today on today's episode. And uh, I'm, I'm excited, you know, I'm, I'm excited because this honestly is a way to showcase not only, you know, it's one thing when I'm driving around during the week and I'm getting stories and they're just, it's like, hey, what's your show about? It's like, dude, <laughs> anything and everything, you know, whatever the people give me that week. So we talk a lot about life. We talk religion. We talk politics. We talk sex. We talk music. We talk sports. We, we talk drugs. We talk anything. We, there's nothing that I won't discuss with a writer. There's nothing that I won't discuss with a writer. But the thing is, um, on episodes like this, it showcases the ability to take an event 
and build an episode around that event. So just like when I go and do Uber Stories Atlanta or Columbus, that is an episode that shows the ability to do linear storytelling. Hey, here's where we started. Here was this. Here was the ending. Like it's a very tight storytelling timeline, right? Well, this is even tighter because this was over the course of several days. But but again, it's just like Uber Stories Louder Than Life is exactly that. It's stories and commentary and headlines and storylines from a very tight window of the event. And I, I think that's cool. I think that's cool. So I'm excited for this one and uh, I hope you enjoy. If you do, please do me a huge favor and leave me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It it honestly helps so much, and people read that stuff. People, honestly, they do. They do. Um, and I'm trying to grow this show. You can help with that by leaving a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm trying to get these numbers up, so please go and do that. You know, I see the numbers. That's the thing. Is like I see how many people are listening per week, and yet that does not correlate with how many reviews have been left on the Apple Podcast page. So... A lot of you guys and girls are listening to this show week in and week out, and I love you for that. I love you for that. Thank you, okay, from the bottom of my fucking heart. Thank you, seriously. But another big way to help me out and help this show grow is by doing that. So thank you to everybody that has already done that, and thank you to those of you who are going to do that right now as you sit here and listen to this and your phone is already close by. Please just go and do that. And then it's done. And then I never have to ask for it again, you know, from you, everybody else. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. Come on, man. Okay. Real quickly before I get into today's bulk of the episode, a couple of quick announcements. One, I am leaving. Actually, I just hopped on a plane today on Wednesday and uh, I'm headed out west to see my girlfriend, Maddie. My mom and my sister are going to go out there and spend about a week at Under Canvas and then we're going to take a couple more days after we leave the Grand Canyon. And we're going to go see some places like Sedona, Horseshoe Bend, Antelope Canyon. We're going to go to Bryce Canyon. We're going to go over to Zion National Park. And then we'll end up leaving and flying out of Las Vegas. So going to have some pretty cool content to come back and talk about. But because we're flying out on October 7th, we're going to be, this is a pretty long trip. So I will not have an episode ready to go next week. I'm going to have something that I drop just so we have something to drop, but it's not going to be an Uber Stories episode. I may do an interview. I also might just do like a two-minute little clip saying, hey, I'm still on this trip, blah, 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 blah. I don't know yet, but we will have something next week. And then the following Wednesday, we will get back to Uber Stories. We'll have Uber Stories 35. And then at the end of October, uh, that's when Maddie's season out at the Grand Canyon is ending. You know, she's been working at Under Canvas. She's been out there since March of this year, and her season is going to wrap up at the end of October. And when that does, I'm going to fly out there, and then we're going to take about two and a half, maybe three weeks, might even be gone till Thanksgiving, where we leave from the Grand Canyon. We go through Eugene, Oregon. Uh, I've, I've been begging and begging and begging to make an Oregon trip. So we're going to go, I think, up to Eugene, get to hang out around there. I'm a big Ducks fan, all right? 
and then we will head down to the Bay Area. We'll spend some time there, maybe, I don't know, four or five days. I'll get to see a lot of my friends. The Bay Area, it feels like home to me. It is home to me in a lot of ways. Uh, I haven't been back to the Bay Area since I left in 2018, so I have been to California since I left. I went to Coachella in 2019, but it's been a minute since I've been in the Bay, and I'm a Bay boy, man. I'm a Bay boy, so I cannot wait to get back out there and see my people out there, see my family, dude. Like, I, I made best some of my best friends in life out there, and uh, I cherish the memories and the time that I spent out there, so I cannot wait to get back. We'll leave from there. We'll go down to SoCal. We'll spend some time in LA. We'll spend some time in San Diego. And then we will make the trek across the country back home. So that's how we're going to end the month of October and the first part of November. And I need this. You know, I'm, I'm risking burnout. I've been working my ass off ever since Columbus, honestly. And then I feel like every weekend I've been doing something else. This weekend I was dog sitting. Last weekend I was working with ESPN, doing the Louisville UCF stuff. So I, I've been just kind of burning myself out. And I've been doing a pretty bad job of maintaining a balance in my life. I've pretty much dedicated almost all of my time, energy, and effort into the show and driving. And the show and driving. And if I'm not waking up and going to drive, I'm waking up and coming down into the studio. I have not taken many days off in what feels like, I mean, we, we haven't missed a drop day in at all since June 2020. We have not missed a drop day, and I'm very proud of that streak. We will continue to keep that going, but it's, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot, and I've just been kind of going in reverse in some other areas of my life where I'm like, dude... I'm not reaching these other goals, these things that I sat down at the beginning of the year. And that's what kills me is like I set these goals at the beginning of the year and I started to get close to them. And then now I've started to kind of move back away from them in terms of like weight loss really is what I'm talking about. And I have just, my schedule has just been so crazy. And like, I'm not mad about that. Okay. I'm very proud of the work that I've been doing and I've been going hard as fuck, you know, and, uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. But I need a little bit more balance and I need some time to reset. And so I'm really looking forward to taking some of that time for myself this month. And uh, it's the nice thing about being your own boss and doing your own thing is that there's nobody that can tell me, no, actually, Tompkins, you don't have that PTO or actually you burn those days or, hey, I know you have them, but we need you here. It's like, <laughs> guys, I'm out. I'm out for a little bit. I'm going to drop episodes from the road when we're doing that trip out west. And that's going to be really cool content in and of itself. And trust me, I mean, she gets mad at me when she's like, you know, you can't be in work mode. But when I'm chatting up people in bars and restaurants and people I meet in the streets and and, and I'm, I'm like, I don't even consider it working. I'm just generally fascinated by all different types of people and their stories and I always, it's funny, it's ironic, really. I always used to get mad at my dad whenever we would be trying to leave somewhere and he'd be talking to somebody and be like, please, you're not allowed to talk to anybody because he would just get roped into these conversations and then just sit there and talk and talk. And as a kid with ADHD, I'm like, I need to fucking bounce, man. I cannot be sitting here listening to you talk, dude. You know, I'm not even old enough to understand all this stuff. So like, this is just boring to me, you know? Yeah. But now I realize that, uh, I guess, kind of some of where I get that from, you know? And 
it's like Maddie can be me, little me sometimes, where she's like, please do not engage. Like we're 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 here for us, you know. It's like, yeah. Sometimes if I'm constantly in story mode, that's a tough thing to turn off, you know. But uh, I am gonna turn it off. I'm gonna shut it down for a little bit, and. Like I said, we'll still have content coming out. We'll still have interviews coming out. But October is going to look a little bit different. October is going to look a little bit different. And I'm at peace with that, you know? I really am. I've earned that, you know? And the last thing that I also want to just plug real quick is uh, Godfather Media LLC's very first intern ever, Connor Dewey, is dropping his podcast this week. It's launching. It's called Where To Next with Connor Dewey. And I'm very proud of Connor. We've been working at his concept and getting his thing ready to go and ready to launch. And um, I'm excited for him. And he's really, really big into traveling as well. And um, I'm excited for the beginning of his show and some of the adventures that he's going to be going on. He is going to be doing a lot of stuff that's also geared towards adventures that anybody can take, you know, like so cheap that a college student could do it, right? That's kind of one of the concepts of the show, but um, really at the heart of it is travel and storytelling and adventure and curiosity and scratching that itch, just getting out there and just what's today going to bring? I don't fucking know, but I can't wait to be there, you know? That's the kind of attitude that Connor has, and if you vibe with any of that, I would highly encourage you to go and check out my boy's podcast, very first episode dropping this week, and uh, he's going to have a lot more content coming in the next few months, and I'm really excited for him. I'm proud of him, and I'm proud of the work that we're doing together, so go and check out his podcast. Okay, louder than life, louder than life. Let's get into it, man. I I first want to start just by talking about the impact that something like this has on a city like Louisville any city, when you have an event like this that takes place where almost 35,000 people attended the four-day festival, you're going to have an injection, an economic injection into a city that, listen, Louisville, we fucking need it, okay? Don't be fooled. I was reading some things. You've got people complaining about the noise that was heard around the festival grounds and a bunch of bullshit about, oh, we don't want these people coming in. It's like, oh, wait a second. You're complaining about the city being broke and all the businesses that have been affected by either COVID or the protests, businesses that have shut down, businesses that are like months away or months past due on their rent or their payroll, and yet you want to tell people not to come from other places, not to travel in from Indiana or Tennessee or or Ohio and spend money here? Oh, wait a second. That doesn't make any fucking sense at all. So please, if you're criticizing Louder Than Life and the fact that the festival was loud or that traffic was bad this weekend or anything that casts a negative shade on an event like this, it's not even just Louder Than Life. It's just any event that brings people to Louisville, Kentucky that's not the Kentucky Derby. It's like people find a reason to complain about anything. I wish those people would fucking shut up. Please just shut your fucking mouth, okay? Because the fact is, 35,000 people were here in this city spending money, 
money that this city desperately needs, money that is deprived because Kentucky as a state is ruled by people like Rand Paul and fucking Mitch McConnell that have not legalized sports gambling and weed recreationally, and we're losing money. We're literally losing money as a state because people will drive across the bridge to place bets in Indiana and then drive right back over to Louisville. So I'm literally watching money. We are literally watching money leave the state and then come back, but it's not coming back to the state. It's going to Indiana. We're boosting up our neighbors, which is great for Indiana. But as a Kentuckian, let's keep that in our own backyard. Let's legalize things like sports gambling. Let's legalize things like weed, where... (laughs) We don't rule and judge based off of like morals and a bunch of subjective values laid out by books that who the fuck knows if they're really real or not, okay? To be honest, like this is real talk. Let's so like let's let's get real about it, okay? To to shut all that down and shut all that out of this place, it drives me nuts. And when things like the Top Golf thing happen and it gets as much resistance from people around the Hurstbourne area and a bunch of these fucking people that it's like they don't want the city to grow and they don't want things to change and they don't want things to get better. You know, people complain all the time about, oh, they left Louisville and, oh, Louisville doesn't keep young people. You know, everybody always wants to leave. Well, why do you think that is, man? Make things available for young people give young people a reason to stay here and spend money here and build their businesses here and buy homes or build homes here you know like no wonder people are leaving when you've got something that has entertainment value like top golf provides and yet we want to fight about it and sue the city for like two years until this thing is finally fucking pushed to the finish line you know what i mean and so when I see people online or when I hear the resistance that that an event like Louder Than Life gets, it's like, dude, get over yourself because you'll be the first one to complain about this city not doing anything fun and all this other bullshit, but then they're the first one to complain about something that isn't of interest to them. I am the furthest thing from a metal fan. There's literally two people on this lineup that I would even consider seeing. You know what I mean? But... The fact that it's happening here in Louisville and gives people a reason to come here is a beautiful thing. Embrace that. Lean into that. Please stop telling people that stuff like this shouldn't happen here because it's just like, okay, so you want money to not come in. Really? You know? It's like you've been bitching about small businesses and how no one's helping out these small businesses. No one's looking out for small businesses. You know how many small businesses were propped up by an event like Louder Than Life? Not only the hotels in the area, not only do you have restaurants and and even like trickling down to people like me, Uber drivers, like the incentives this weekend, that's why I went for 60 rides this weekend because the incentives were fucking insane. So it trickles down to all these little nooks and crannies in the local economy here that props it up. That's good business. All the local vendors that got to camp out on the festival grounds selling their local beer, their their local bourbons, their local food options, you know, all the food trucks, breweries like West Six, the distilleries like Old Forester, and everybody else that was on site, that's all sales that is helping this city. So if it has to be loud for four days, get the fuck over it. You know what I mean? That's real talk. 
Get the fuck over it. It was an excellent event. Excellent. And what's exciting is that most of the people that I talked to had a great time and were able to go and do things during the day, like visit the Louisville Slugger Museum. I took a lot of people to the Kentucky Derby Museum, a lot of people that were checking out some of the local breweries and distilleries, the ones that could actually book a tour because they were filled up. And that's great. We need that. We need that. So stop shunning these people away, okay? Um, it's really cool. It's really cool. So I talked to a lot of people that were here from out of town, and um, that's really encouraging, guys. That that was really, really a good feeling to be like, yeah, here's my city, and this is uh, what we do. You know, We do bourbon. We do southern hospitality. We do horse racing. And, oh, yeah, we do one of the biggest heavy metal shows that the world has to offer right here in Louisville, Kentucky. So, you know, I could shit on this stuff or I can embrace it. And I'm choosing to embrace it. It absolutely kills me, though, when these people who are from out of town ask me for recommendations, like for where to get a drink or where to get some good food, like restaurants. And I have to say, sorry, nobody's paying me for that. And it feels like so many missed opportunities for local businesses. There are so many marketing managers that I have pitched the idea of a collaboration to in in terms of a sponsorship. And I'm like, guys, I give you such a unique reach to people who are going to come and spend money. You just got to have a little creativity and a little faith in the kid. And yet, so many people that I've pitched this to have just dropped the ball. And they lack the creativity. And they don't see the vision. And to be honest, this fucking shameful. It, it is. It's fucking shameful. And I don't care if any of them listen to that and get offended by that. It is. Like, shame on you. Like, you should honestly be fired. <laughs> you should lose your job because I brought you this, this, this great and beautiful idea and a concept. Something innovative that no one else is doing. And... You didn't want to go on this ride. Now, granted, I have not pitched this to a lot of different places. So there's really only a handful, uh, maybe a couple handfuls of people that I'm talking about when I make a comment like that. But um, it is. It's, it's, it's a shame because I literally have people asking me all the time, hey, where can I grab a great old-fashioned? Where's a great place to go see a show tonight? Where should we go and get this type of food. And I'm just like, you know, I wish that I could plug somebody, but nobody's paying me to do that. And I don't give out fucking freebies. BDT don't shine shoes no more, okay? We're past that. We're past that. And it just, it kills me. It really does. It really does. So if you want to talk, let the money talk and let's get some real talk rolling, okay? But until then, I just got to tell these people like, hey, I'm sorry, you know, use Google because I, I'm not going to sit here and give out free plugs um, when somebody can be paying me to do that. And, you know, the more and more I pitch, I'm sure that I will lock those things down and secure those sponsorships and collaborations. But it's just where I'm at right now. I haven't been putting a lot of focus into that. I deal with rejection or criticism very deeply. So, like, when I was doing the gyms and some of the people didn't really want to, they, they didn't see the value in it for them. It's just like, man, that hurts me, you know? That hurts me. So I'm just going to focus on the show and the content and the rides 
and I really haven't gotten back out there in terms of pitching restaurants and businesses that are downtown in order to do this. But I mean, it's yeah, that's a whole other tangent that 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 we're getting off on. But I just you know, food for thought, food for thought. Getting back to this. <laughs> Let me get back into this, all right? Let me get back into this. Is uh, the festival. The festival. I got to give props to the uh, the people that organized the festival because they did have a separate ride-sharing, like pickup and drop-off zone and location that was pretty easy to get to. The parking gate, I think pe- most people were like parking in gate, gate two, I think. And the line to get in there off of Crittenden was just like, ridiculous. But if you could get past that, which I really didn't have a ton of trouble doing, and then get into a zone that they had its own gate where Uber and Lyft drivers could pick people up, drop people off, and and easily get out of there. They actually had it pretty well set up. But then on Saturday night, at some point, they shut it down. And as I was trying to get in there were cops that had everything coned off and they weren't letting me in. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I'm an Uber driver. I need to get to the Uber. And this dickhead goes, well, I'm sorry. You should have been in there. Like, didn't anybody tell you? You should have known. And I was like, dude, what do you mean did anybody tell me? How the fuck do you think this works? Do you know how it works? Do you re- do you realize, like, how this works, right? And what he was saying was that, I should have known that they were going to be shutting down at a certain time, even though they didn't announce that anywhere. And he acted as if Uber was supposed to let us. It's like, dude, you guys made that decision. Uber didn't come out here and shut down the roads and shut down access to the to the pickup and drop off zone. You guys did. So, no, no one told me that. Okay, you guys definitely didn't tell me that. And what he was saying was that, we all should have been in there at a certain time in order to pick people up. It's like, bro, what if I was in there at that time, which I was giving people rides and picking people up earlier in the day and then coming back down there and having it shut down? It's like, dude, you realize that if everybody was in there that then picks somebody up and leaves, now nobody can get back in. It's not like the first however many people that walked out there and requested rides are all the people that use ride sharing. So what you've just done now is create a huge crowd of people who are standing in this designated zone that you have now shut down and you're not allowing us to get back in there for more rides. That is fucking moronic. And the guy is like, no, sorry, you can't get in. You can't get in. Like, what do you, like, why are you not listening? You can't get in. And dude, I was like looking at this. I was looking at the setup. And I so wanted to just be like, fuck you, and drive through the cones and get in there. But I would have been the only car within this zone and through the cones, and there would have been like 20 police officers staring at me. I would have been nailed. I mean, and it just would have been totally idiotic. But like, I really, really wanted to just be like, I'm not listening to you, and go ahead and just drive on through and get there and pick somebody up and then get the hell out of there, you know? But I wasn't able to do that. And as I started to drive away, this guy fucking goes, yeah, that's what I thought. And I just laughed. I'm just like, fuck you, man. 
Like, really, you're going to talk shit as I drive away? Like, oh, Mr. Big and Bad over here, this heightened sense of, I don't know if you call it ego or just, just you know what it is? Power tripping, dude. Just power tripping, you know? Like, what am I going to do, you know? What am I going to do? Drive through all the cones? That, Like I just said, that would be idiotic. That would be ridiculously dumb. So... I only have one option. It is to drive away. And then to be like, yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, dude, you're a fucking loser, man. You're a loser. But outside of that, the pickup zone and the drop-off zone was pretty easy to navigate to. So getting to a lot of these riders was a piece of cake. I talked to a lot of people. And most of the people that I talked to said that they were most excited to see Metallica. Metallica was the headliner on not only Friday night, but also Sunday night. So they did two nights where they headlined, and they did two totally different sets, which is pretty cool. If you're a Metallica fan, you're absolutely in there just loving every minute of that. But some of the other artists that people were excited to see were people like Korn, Jane's Addiction, Disturbed, and then I also had a lot of people naming bands like Killswitch Engage and Falling in Reverse and Butcher Babies, and I also heard Pennywise and Avatar a few times. You know, there was a couple of other bands that people mentioned that were just like kind of one-offs, but multiple people that I spoke with, I heard it multiple times, mentioned bands like Avatar and Pennywise and uh, Butcher Babies, and so... Those were some of the people that people were most excited to see. Uh, People were also telling me that they were pretty bummed out that they had some notable cancellations from the festival lineup. So Nine Inch Nails was supposed to be here, but dropped out, I think, citing either um, COVID stuff. I think they weren't totally happy about the fact that this was happening or something. I, I, I I don't really know what was going on with them, but they cited COVID as a reason that they weren't gonna come. And then uh, Snoop Dogg was actually supposed to be there too. Which, honestly, I was so confused by that. You have this lineup that's all metal, okay? And a couple of pop punk bands, and then Snoop Dogg. I don't really understand. Like, that just seems so out of left field. But a lot of people that I talked to were really bummed that Snoop Dogg wasn't there. And, uh, yeah, dude, Snoop Dogg is the triple OG. So, obviously, you're bummed if Snoop Dogg isn't showing up on that lineup. But um, there actually were a couple of other hip-hop-type artists that were in that same vein. Not necessarily, like, Snoop Dogg, like, West Coast stuff. But, like, for example, Cypress Hill is another one that does rock, but they also do some some more hip-hop-sounding stuff, more rap-sounding stuff. And, dude, to be honest, Cypress Hill and Rise Against are the two groups that I know on that lineup that I would have wanted to see on that lineup. Uh, Rise Against has a couple of really good songs. Listen to Audience of One and Pray for the Refugee. Two bangers. I mean, two absolute bangers. And Cypress Hill has a song called Rock Superstar that I like. But, dude, outside of that, like, I really didn't know anybody else on the lineup. Like, I've heard of bands like Breaking Benjamin. I obviously know who Metallica is. But I could not tell you one Korn song. Uh, I know that one Disturbed song, Down With The Sickness, because I'm down with the thickness, you know what I'm saying? But I don't know any of those other groups and I couldn't tell you a single song of what they sing. Jane's Addiction, like I've heard of them. Kill Switch Engage, I heard of them, but I've never listened to any of their music. So 
there's not a lot of people on that lineup that I would have wanted to see, but, you know, that's me. And there were a ton of people that I talked to that were super stoked about this lineup. So, um, I talked to a lot of people and asked them, hey, is this your first music festival? Which is always a cool thing. Because, because I love music festivals so much, I love being able to foster that interest in other people. So if somebody else is talking about this being their very first music festival, I want to ask them questions and get them talking about the things that they loved about it so that they it, it, it resonates with them, like how much they actually enjoyed being there. Because I just think that's a cool thing. When somebody goes and has a good experience at a music festival or even just a live show, you know, just a concert, um, I really think that's a cool thing, you know, and it's something I love to do. So it's something that I love fostering in other people too. So getting some people to talk about, yeah, this is my first time and this is going awesome. I love Louisville and where should I go? It's like, ah, ah, ah. We can talk about the other stuff, but not that one. <laughs> it's cool. It's, it's really cool. Um, I did get some people complaining about some of the prices uh, of things inside of the festival, namely how much things cost. And, you know, that's how you can tell if somebody's brand new to a festival is like, dude, it's expensive. Everybody knows the deal going in. You're going to be overpaying for shit. I remember paying like $14 for this shitty basket of chicken tenders and french fries at one of the festivals that I was at because that was all they had left. And you just swallow it. You're just like, all right, well, you know, I need to eat, soak up some of this alcohol. This is what it is. And uh, you just, it's just part of it, you know? You know that you're going to be paying way too much for beers or White Claws or vodkas or bourbons. And you're going to be paying way too much for the food. Hopefully, at some of these really, really top tier festivals, the food is actually like like you don't mind spending $15 on a plate of nachos because they brought in some really awesome vendor to serve you a fire plate of nachos and you don't mind paying that because it's actually really good. I didn't really that's one thing that I should have asked more people about is how was the food options in there? I saw stuff on Instagram, but I didn't really get many people talking about like the food options in there which shame on me, because most people were more focused on the bourbon part, you know, and um, that's cool. But the people that that complain about how much stuff costs, it's like, tell me you've never been to a music festival without telling me you've never been to a music festival. It's if they're complaining about how expensive stuff was, it's like, yeah, that just, you know, it, it kind of comes with the territory. And getting to be there with everybody else is kind of the trade-off, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's kind of the trade-off. Now, some of the more interesting conversations that I had were about mosh pit etiquette. So one thing that I was curious about all weekend long was the mosh pits. I'm thinking, okay, it's a metal festival. These mosh pits are probably fucking epic. And I've only really seen mosh pits either from like videos that I've seen on social media or even like, dude, what's funny is I remember a couple of kids, like shout out to Ricky Beanie, shout out to Mike O'Malley, shout out to Garrett Bricker, shout out to some of these guys that would go to these middle school dances and we would all, you know, look, at, at that age, everybody's kind of a poser, right? But we would go to these middle school dances and act like we were doing mosh pits. And it would be like to Green Day or like to Fall Out Boy, you know? And we would just be in there just kind of like 
roughing each other up. Like some kids took it way too serious, O'Malley. All right. But it was fun. You know, that was like fifth and sixth grade dances. You know what I mean? Like, and you think that you're mosh pitting. Uh, but that's probably other than other than like being in the crowd, um, they don't really do mosh pits at rap festivals or at rap shows, but I've definitely been in, and I guess what you could call as a mosh pit or what we're going to define here as mosh pits by some of these writers, but a mosh pit in a metal festival, I'm like, what does that look like? You know, like people are in there wearing masks and shit. Like, what is that look like? And so I asked pretty much everybody that got in if they were moshers and if they said no, because some of them were like, no, nah, man, I, I kind of stay away from that. You know, I'm too old. Uh, I asked a couple people that said that they weren't moshers. I said, OK, well, are you headbangers? You know, will you throw your head back and forth and, and, and give yourself whiplash and a concussion, basically? Uh, and, and some people were like, yes. But then other people were like, no, man, I, I'm, I'm kind of transitioned out of that life, you know? I don't feel like having a stiff neck for three weeks. And I'm like, hey, my guy, I feel you on that. I feel you on that. But one of my writers that I got on Saturday night was with a friend that uh, subsequently the friend was a little bit tired. It was his first music festival, a little bit drunk, and he ended up passing out in the car, which was cool because we were in this. This was my actually my last ride of the night on Saturday night. And these guys were staying in a hotel in Shepherdsville. So I picked them up and took them all the way down to Shepherdsville. Which for people who are not familiar with Louisville area, Shepherdsville is about 30 minutes south of the city. So it was a hike, man. And not only that, he asked me if I could stop at a, a restaurant that was open down there. So for about 15 to 20 minutes, we sat in line at a White Castle while he ordered food. And it was a good ride, but but because it was my last one of the night, it was just like, all right, man, this is what we're doing, you know? I'm, I'm totally cool with this. But because we had so much time in the car, I really got a good feel for what that night was like in, at the festival, and I really got a great breakdown of mosh pitting and mosh pit etiquette, how it works, and he shares a pretty cool story from one of the mosh pits at the show in this clip right here. I'm a big fan of the mosh pits. Um, he is not. He's new to the metal scene. So I've been trying to interest him. Like, dude, like, it's fine. Like, there's, like, rules and shit to it, you know? It's Like, fun. of engagement or what? So, yeah, so so the thing is, like, metalheads are the nicest people we ever meet in the world. Like, they take care of each other. It's hilarious. Like, moshing is almost like... It's almost like a form of dancing, in a way. Like, you're shoving each other, you're hitting each other, but, like, the goal is not to hurt somebody. You know what I mean? Because, like, everybody's there for the show. So, like, um, you know, people, like, blast each other. Like, people fall down. Like, if somebody falls, they, like, back up. They get you up. You're like, are you okay? And you, like, get back into it, you know? Yeah. Like, usually there's a couple guys on the outside kind of monitor and keep people in. Make sure people that don't want to be in don't get pulled in, you know? Like, it's very controlled. Um, funny enough, the first day we were there, there was a guy. He was dressed like a referee. But he, like, painted his face like skull paint. And he was, like, the pit ref. And so 
one of the shows they were going really hard and he had like a whistle and he was like whistling at people and he'd like shove them out of the pit and stuff. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. He took a picture with him and he's like he's like follow me on Instagram, I'm the official pit ref. He's like I go to shows all the time and like do this Instagram thing. That's awesome. So it's fun, man. You know, like you really feel it, you know, you get in there. <laughs> I kind of love that. Okay, the guy who was doing the mosh pit refereeing, I went ahead and looked him up. So I'll go ahead and plug his social media channels. His Instagram is at pitrefofficial. He's an up-and-comer, okay? But apparently, this guy travels to different festivals, um, mainly rock and metal, and he's just there as a guardian of the people, you know? And I think that's pretty cool. And I came across one of his posts that he was talking about having gone to another festival and doing the same thing. And what I think is really cool is this guy writes, the most memorable aspect of this for me was I had no less than 200 people approach me to thank me for what I did for them in and around the mosh pit. With the exception of a guy that snapped his ankle right before I arrived, there were no major injuries sustained in any of my pits. That's a win for me. I don't do what I do for the thanks and accolades, but it's rewarding to feel appreciated. I'm not the biggest, strongest, or tallest person in the mosh pit. Nevertheless, I am still a polarizing force to be reckoned with, and I take that responsibility seriously. Louder than life, you're next. Okay? Now, no one asks that guy to do that. And I guess that was obviously before Louder Than Life, and then he goes to Louder Than Life, and that's what that writer was talking about. That's that guy. That's that guy. No one asks him to do something like that. But yet, that is a man of the people. And he's kind of doing something that's pretty cool, that's helping people out. And I see that guy as like an assist leader, you know, a fellow assist leader. Like, that's a point guard. And that's a pretty dope feeling. As somebody like, like me, what I'm doing, you know, no one asks your Uber driver to just start giving you life advice or asking you some really deep questions, but yet people appreciate that. No one asked me to do that, but people appreciate that, you know? And of course, there'll always be fucking haters. So there'll always be somebody that looks at what I do that goes, no, fuck that guy, you know? Like, oh, I wish that guy would shut the fuck up. Just like I'm sure there were people at these different festivals that sees this pit ref that go, man, fuck that guy. Like, who does that guy think he is, you know? But that guy's having the time of his life, and he's actually providing a service for people that is actually pretty cool, you know? So I, I admire that, you know? And I really respect that. So I, I love that story. Now, I also talked to another couple that were echoing that writer's comments about metal fans and mosh pit etiquette because it's hilarious to hear these people talking about, oh yeah, don't don't be fooled, you know, like rough exterior, really, really kind and warm interior. Metal fans are the nicest people you'll meet. It's like, but they look terrifying. It's like, no, 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 but hang on. Listen to what this lady says as she offers up a review of the crowd and the crowd surfer situation and also how the crowd was behaving. 
one it's see not the as weird, crazy the as weird it used thing to be. about like heavy metal festivals it's, is the everybody energy, is the energy. there's the energy, the energy but is everybody lower. is super polite and they're super nice to each other so like if you're in a mosh pit and you fall down like they'll stop the pit to pick you up yeah yeah and then they'll go again like they'll stop the pit they'll pull you out of the pit put you on the edge and then they'll go again and then make sure that you're okay which is good because all the women that were crowd surfing today did not get grabbed right. i was Absolutely. watching yeah nobody got they were very, nobody got like, grabbed yeah they were very yeah so, um the the documentary on hbo max Woodstock, Woodstock, yes. yeah yes yeah, was yeah. it I was yeah, really, really saw that. trippy. Isn't that disgusting? Yeah. yeah. So disgusting. Yeah. And you don't get that those vibes at all. Yeah. That's good. Highly, highly recommend that Woodstock 99 documentary on HBO Max. Really good stuff. Bill Simmons. I got to give it to Bill Simmons, dude. The guy created 30 for 30. He leaves ESPN and he's like, you know what? I'm still going to do my fucking thing. And now he's doing stuff like that. Lands a deal with Spotify. I really have a lot of respect for Bill Simmons. But he made the Woodstock 99 documentary, which is just like this catastrophic music festival. Historically catastrophic. And one of the big storylines that they talk about was the sexual assault that went on. And mostly by guys who were groping women who were crowd surfing which just isn't cool that's not cool you know just because they they're up there and doing that doesn't ever give anybody the right to just grab their boob you know it's like billy mattis he just like touch your boob that's assault brother you know what i mean like that's assault brother stop it stop it so to hear that it wasn't like that at all very, very good. Very, very good. Because the Woodstock 99 documentary was awful. Go watch it. It's a it's a really, really great documentary. Uh, transitioning, I also talked to somebody that was talking about these two women at the Jane's Addiction show that had piercings in their back that were then connected to hooks that were swung around. Now, I haven't been able to find any videos of this. I haven't seen any pictures of this. I really want to, but I had this woman describing what that was like. Jane's Addiction had a woman at the very, very end of yeah, the set that had rings in her back. You've seen the people that have the huge piercings? No. He hung this woman up from the rings, the piercings in her back, hung her from just the back, swung her what all around the stage from a rope she was yeah. hanging i don't know what six oh, feet in the uh, air just yeah probably just from just the piercings, from in, the her piercings in her back are these like anchored to her fucking rib cage how do you like not just have her back, just yeah back. just in her just, just in, in her, her back. back just just the skin oh. and the muscle in her shoulders i was so like pissed when i saw that so i was like so you took this freak of a woman god love her you know she's got fucking issues to do that and you exploited her by yeah. having her swing by the hooks in her back and you thought that would be entertainment. But was she into it? It's, it looked like it. 
she was probably yeah. high. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. But so, you just don't do that. Yeah, to the lead singer of Jane's Addiction is basically if you take He's a freak. He's a Freddie Mercury and mix him with David Bowie. But instead of making a love baby out of that, you make it out of cocaine. Alright, you spoke very badly about Freddie Mercury, but it will I will foresee no. that. But I don't no, think Freddie I don't Mercury think had a lot of Freddie Mer not not in that kind of if you make Freddie Mercury out of cocaine, I think it'd look like that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know if I'm on board with what what she was doing there at the end where she's making it about exploitation. Uh, that's why I asked that question. And, and listen, you heard, for what it's worth, um, that guy's reaction and, and his answer to it. And it's like, how is it really exploitation if someone's getting up there and volunteering to do that? Like, is that on the band? Or is that a choice that those women made to get up there and do that? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I see what you're doing there, and I'm not with that. I'm, I'm not with that, Okay. Because I think you're making it more about something that, that's really not. And maybe I'm totally wrong. And if I am, then forgive me. Forgive my ignorance. Okay. But I just feel like if someone volunteers to do that and get up there and they want to do that and they're into it, like that guy's saying, I'm like, are they into it? And the guy's like, yeah, I think, dude. I mean, how would you not be if, if, if you're volunteering for that? Okay. You obviously want to do that. So. It's just like you wouldn't say that somebody that was crowd surfing was being exploited, right? This is a much more extreme case, but yet, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really with that. I'm not really with that. So, But this couple was an interracial couple, okay? And we talked about that because they were telling me about the small Ohio town that they lived in and that they traveled down from to see the show. And that she was like the only black girl in this town and he was like, and I'm the only lone liberal. So based on that, that kind of opened the door about something that I was curious about. And I asked them, how many black people are in the crowd at a metal festival? How well did you feel represented? So I asked exactly that and got a pretty good answer about not only black representation in the crowd, but really female representation, which was pretty cool. Well, I'm not a black people. Yeah, right, there's right. hardly there are very, very there's very few, which isn't very, which is about the norm. Um, right. But I was very impressed by the number of women, female rockers. Yeah, really. Um, yeah, so there's a Butcher band called Babies. Butcher Babies. Oh my God, they, they are, were amazing. They are they rock some like shredding face melting metal so as far as girl power they they fucking represent it so like evanescence and in this moment yeah. can't hold a flame to this can't hold a flame to butcher babies really no because they just i must admit i was like okay i'll check out this band I'm imagine like, like they, were, they were fucking awesome yeah. and yeah. they're gorgeous I, uh, they are I, fucking gorgeous i saw a picture of them on the lineups and yes. like, they have a blonde and a brunette i think yes oh, yes like, they were Yes. Yeah. So not only do they have bring the beauty they bring, and they're awesome. Like they came out, we were at the fence, and they came out to us after the show and said, "God, we love you guys." Yeah, like they, they're, they are so personable. Yeah, like that's cool. not I only mean, do they rock, why. they fucking rock. Like you're gonna clear this area, and I want to see the head. Or you the head mosher. Like they fucking are hard fucking core. Yeah. When I say green light, you fucking mosh. When I say red light, you stop. Like. Yeah. They fucking, they were, they yeah, were 
like they control the pit. That's my third butcher baby. There were baby. so many crowd surfers. Everybody loved it. How but then they the go pit? to these sweet little hi guys, thank you, and love you guys. And they go, oh, Target Red Light, you're gonna fucking stop motion. And like yeah. I love so. it. They were awesome. Awesome. Now, I didn't have anybody tell me about this. I actually read about this in researching for this episode. But Corn was up there, okay? And Thursday night, as Corn performed, Jonathan Davis, their vocalist, had to take multiple breaks where he sat down and took hits from an oxygen tank next to a custom-made throne situated beneath the drum riser, which was created and incorporated into their live shows recently for this very reason. Because him and their guitarist, Monkey Schaefer, are still dealing with the lingering effects of COVID. And both these guys are like 50 years old, almost 50, or right around 50. And they both got COVID, and they're still dealing with the lingering effects of like reduced lung capacity. And just that sickness that some of the people who are older that have had COVID, and even people who are younger, that have had COVID, that describe what it feels like, to still feel like they're not at 100%. Well, here was an example of that where Jonathan Davis is up there and has to take multiple breaks to take some rips from an oxygen tank. And speaking of oxygen tanks, I think this rider could have probably used a couple rips of whatever Jonathan Davis was ripping. Because here's a story about a guy and his, I don't know if it was his wife or his girlfriend, kind of unclear to me, my sense is that she was his girlfriend and that they were going to one of these events like for the first time and kind of feeling it out and they were still I don't know there was there was like a a level of disconnect between them that that I that I just picked up on and when they get in the car I asked guys how was it and they kind of look at each other as they're leaving this festival early and they're a little bit hesitant. They're like, who's going to go first? Who's going to break the ice on this one? Who wants to tell the story? They laugh for a second, and then they told me the reason that they were leaving early. <laughs> I passed out. What? One and a half beers. Dehydration or something. I've never blacked out in my life. I hit the turf. 350, boom, paved it, yo. <laughs> no way. Yeah. We got there at six and so. <laughs> I just got real dizzy and then I just hit, I bit it and then from then I'd walk all the way to the damn medical tent because everybody would come by said, man, I'll go get help. And nobody came back with no help. They did that. <laughs> damn. Yeah. Did you, uh, did you hit your head or anything when you fell? No, I think no. so. I had you.
He said he was only down for about 10 seconds, but it was enough that they went ahead and took off. And again, I cannot tell if that woman was his girlfriend or his wife, but I think it was his girlfriend and that this weekend was a date. And the reason that I say that was because there was like a level of, I care about your well-being, but I don't care about you enough to be like, honey, this was super serious. Stop joking about this. It's not funny. She was kind of letting him do his thing, which tells me that there's a level of concern there, but yet he's not necessarily her responsibility, okay? Because he was cracking jokes about it and acting like it wasn't a big deal, and she was kind of doing this thing the whole time where she's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't know, kind of worried, you know, kind of fucking worried. She's like half laughing, and I think she was kind of shell-shocked. I think she was kind of like, holy shit, this guy's health is not great. Because all jokes aside, and not to fast shame anybody, that's not what we're doing here, but you hear him in that clip say that he weighs 350 pounds. And honestly, I think that's probably putting it gently. But at a certain point, obesity is deadly, okay? And if you are at a point where you're dropping in the middle of a concert because you've been walking around more than you normally do, that is your body giving you a wake-up call, dude. Like, that is not normal. That's not good, okay? And he kept on joking about it, acting like it wasn't a big deal. And she's kind of like doing a thousand-yard stare out of the window like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, this guy just passed out. And it really wasn't even that hot in Louisville this weekend. He, I, I, I just asked every question that I could to try and get to the bottom of it. I honestly think in my heart that it was probably something health-related and that this guy just overexerted himself. And, dude, at 350 pounds, that's, that's pretty easy to do probably, you know? So uh, that was that was uh, that was tough. But you know what? Credit to this man because I said, "Well, are you guys coming back tomorrow?" And he was like, "Hell yeah!" And I was like, "That's the spirit. Get back up on that horse, man. Good shit." Now, this is gonna be one of my favorite parts of this episode because all throughout the weekend, I could not have a single ride of people that were festival goers that did not make reference to or mention Machine Gun Kelly and beefs that he's had with Eminem, with Corey Taylor from the band Slipknot and all different kinds of stuff. But Machine Gun Kelly is about to be the subject of maybe the next 20 minutes because that's what people wanted to talk about. And honestly, if you Google anything about Louder Than Life, most of the headlines are revolving around Machine Gun Kelly. So on Saturday night, I picked these two people up from the festival as they were leaving early. And I'm like, how was it, guys? And they give me a quick review plus an awesome breakdown of some of these beefs and really introduce me to some of these beefs because I had no idea about any of this stuff. And as the weekend went on, I continued to learn more and more. I didn't even know who the fuck Corey Taylor was before this. And honestly, that's not me being disrespectful or throwing shade at all. That's just me being ignorant to the metal scene, okay? Fully admit, 
a thousand percent ignorance on my part, but I did not know. I, I don't. I don't know any of the members of of these bands. You know, I don't know their names. I know who Slipknot is. I know that they were really fucking scary, but I don't know Corey Taylor. You know what I mean? So as the weekend went along, I got educated, and then I was having these pretty intelligent, high level conversations with people as. I learned more and more about this stuff, but this was a pretty awesome breakdown of some of the beefs. Um, this is probably the least, the worst night of all. Like last night was Metallica. Oh my God, orgasmic. But well, Machine Gun Kelly is playing right now. Probably shouldn't have said that word to you. Those words to you, but no, it's okay. It's one of those nights. I think we're just MGK slammed Eminem. So yeah, I think we're gonna do a dive bar and stuff. So. Are you guys big Eminem fans? What's that? Are you big Eminem fans? We all are, actually. yes, absolutely. Yeah. Big Eminem fans, <laughs> big Corey, Dre. Corey Taylor. Corey oh, Taylor, yes. big Dre fans. Absolutely. So, but, yeah, I can't... Like, MGK just has this habit of knocking the people that are in the top of his genre. So he decided that he's going to be rock now. Right. And yeah. he's, you know, he decided to slam Corey Taylor. But before that, he decided to slam Eminem. Like, who does that? All right, so let's get into this beef. Because I did a lot of research on this. And I got a lot more clips from some of the writers and some reviews from MGK's performance at Louder Than Life. And um, yeah, this was a fun exercise. So what they're talking about, a couple different things, okay? So initially, there were some comments that MGK made about Eminem's daughter, Haley. This is stemming from a 2012 tweet saying basically that she's hot. That's what he said. And if you've seen Haley, he's not lying. Like, he's not lying. But at the time, she was 16 years old, and that's kind of cringy, and that's kind of weird, you know? Like, that's, that's, ah, uh, you know, that's underage girls, you know? Like, I, I don't know. As somebody that has always been more attracted to older women, I've never really understood the, the teeny underage thing, like barely legal shit. Like, I've always been a MILF guy, so it's hard for me to understand that, but... I also went ahead and looked up Haley, and she is beautiful. I mean, she's gorgeous, okay? But MGK puts out this tweet saying that she's hot, and then I guess that really hit a button with Eminem because six years later, Eminem comes back at him on this song called Not Alike, and he also banned MGK from being played on his XM Sirius Channel 45, Shade 45. So... It takes six years for Eminem to acknowledge it, but I guess he was holding on to that for a long time because then he comes back at him on Not Alike. Well, then MGK comes back with Rap Devil where he blasts Eminem. I mean, absolutely annihilated Eminem in my opinion. Okay, but then M blasts him in an interview with Sway and he also counters to Rap Devil with a couple of diss tracks or at least some diss diss lines in some tracks of his own on music to be murdered by as well as kill shot and then mgk ends up saying at the time when he put out his last rap album hotel diablo that it wasn't welcome to receive well because of his beef with eminem and then he ends up transitioning into this pop punk genre i had no idea that MGK had stopped doing rap 
and that he had started into rock. Had no idea. I was today years old, plus a couple of days, however the math works out to rewind to this weekend, when I realized and when I learned that MGK no longer did rap music, that he actually is doing punk now. Because when people said that he was on the lineup, and I heard that Cypress Hill and Snoop Dogg had also been on the lineup, I was like, oh, I guess they're doing like metal and heavy rock and some rap. Is that the vibe here? I, I'm... I'm Kind of, I, I'm still baffled by the Snoop Dogg thing. That just seems so out of place. But I, I don't know. Maybe it isn't. I don't. But like, maybe he's doing other stuff and he does more shows like this and he enjoys that. But to me, that just seems so off-brand from everybody else that was on that lineup. I'm just still baffled by that. But that's why I thought that it wasn't that weird because Snoop was on there. That MGK was on there, right? Well, then they're like, no, dude, he actually is doing rock now. And a lot of people said that the main reason for that was because basically Eminem ruined his rap career, okay? Well, now he's doing pop punk and he's kind of in these metal festivals and there's a lot of overlap in his fans or at least people that might be at the places that he's performing and other bands, namely Slipknot, in which they've got a front man, Corey Taylor, that was initially on a podcast, okay, and said the first thing, drew first blood, if you will, that MGK then responds to and then takes it a step further. And that is why, based on this beef and this petty back and forth on Twitter, okay, and, and on other places as well, but mainly on Twitter, that you get all of these people saying, fuck MGK, he sucked, booing him off the stage, and we've got plenty of audio of people backing that up. But what he said about Corey Taylor, okay? So Slipknot singer Corey Taylor was on this podcast and initially first could be seen as talking shit. Objectively, listen, I don't give a fuck about MGK and I don't give a fuck about Slipknot, so please do not get it twisted because all these MGK fans are saying, oh, the media and their narrative, it's like, I promise, I promise, I could give a fuck less about either of these people or these groups, okay? So please know that I am coming from an absolute place of objectivity and total indifference, to be honest with you. But... As an outsider looking in, Corey Taylor first makes the initial comments on a podcast where he says, I hate the artists that have failed in one genre and decided to go to rock, and I think he knows who he is, okay? Obviously talking about MGK, and he made a couple other comments that made it very, very clear who he was talking about, but Corey Taylor was the very first one to say anything, okay? So then... MGK is on stage at Riot Festival in Chicago just a couple weeks ago on September 19th. The same time that Slipknot is performing, he is also performing on stage. And he makes some comments about Corey Taylor, which this writer breaks down for us in this clip. So they were playing at another festival. Machine Gun Kelly was playing at the second stage at the same time that Slipknot was playing the main stage. And he 
I guess they try to do a song together for whatever reasons. There's varying stories of how the song that they were going to do together didn't work. So while he's on stage, at the same time Slipknot is on the other stage, he says, all right, so who, you know, didn't want to hang out with a bunch of 50-year-old men who still wear masks and just started dogging while on stage, Slipknot. Right. This is tonight? No, no, this is a different, this is a different festival. Okay. Different. So, so, no. so just sort of start dogging. And, but, I mean, and Slipknot see. has a huge, like, cult following. Like, I saw Slipknot. They were fucking amazing. Okay, so they mostly nail it, but I just want to go ahead and read word for word what the actual comment that MGK says, because what he says to the crowd is, hey, you want to know what I'm really happy I'm not doing? Being 50 years old, wearing a fucking weird mask on fucking stage, talking shit. Well, a couple days later, he follows that up with a tweet talking about Corey Taylor, and he says, Corey did a verse for a song on my Tickets to My Downfall album. It was terrible, so I didn't use it. He got mad about it and talked shit to a magazine about the same album he was almost on. Y'all stories are all off. Just admit he's bitter. Now, for what it's worth, okay, Corey Taylor responded to that tweet with a tweet of his own, saying, I don't like airing private shit like a child, so this is all I'll say. I didn't do the track because I don't like when people try and write for me. I said no to them. And he then provided some screenshots of emails, and he hashtagged receipts. And the emails were between him and Travis Barker, who co-produced the album for Machine Gun Kelly. And it looked like there was a dispute on who really called the shots. But he's claiming, Corey Taylor is claiming that MGK was like, hey, maybe he could do this, and this is awesome, and like was totally sucking up to him. And you can read him. You can read him. He is totally sucking up to Corey Taylor saying, this is awesome, maybe he could do this. And Corey Taylor politely responds back with, hey, you know what? Maybe I'm not the guy for this track. Maybe I'm not the guy for this. I wish him all the best, no hard feelings, but I'm going to go ahead and pass. Okay, so... I, I, I kind of have to side based on those receipts with Corey Taylor. And you can go and look them up for yourself. But it is important to point out that based on everything that I was able to find and research for this, Corey Taylor was the one that initially opened his mouth and made comments about MGK. So then MGK responds, well, there's this beef between the two. And at the heart of it, at the very heart of it, is this verse and this song in question, okay? So then we get to this past weekend where MGK is performing on Saturday night at Louder Than Life, and almost everybody that I talked to said that he was terrible, said that they booed him, said that he was super awkward and cringy between songs. You know, when artists will talk to a crowd or they'll tell stories. I love I love when artists tell the stories in between the songs when they're up there on stage. And you just feel like you're just watching a documentary unfold. You know what I mean? Like you're getting all these songs and then they're weaving this narrative together and doing storytelling and taking sips of their water and getting the crowd hyped up. And like that stuff is really, really cool. But... There's a way to do it, and there's a way not to do it. And everybody that I talked to said that he was super awkward, super cringy in between the songs. 
He was met with boos and middle fingers. And you can go and Google it. And that's a lot of what's being reported by a lot of the major networks and media outlets is these videos that have gone viral showing people booing him and flicking him off. And there's even a video where at the very end of his set, he jumps into the crowd and he's trying to get the crowd into it only to be met by a bunch of people that were chanting, fuck him up, fuck him up. And as fans tried to get to him, he actually punched one of the fans in the face as security got in between them. Kind of a loser, poser boy move by MGK, to be honest, when you have security swarming people and then from behind the safety of the security guards, you throw a punch and hit somebody in the face and think that you're doing something and that you're hard. It's kind of a pussy move, dude. That's that's a huge bitch boy move, okay? Let me be honest about that. But I got to hear firsthand from people who were in the crowd that described what his performance was like. So Connor saw him at the red carpet and was like yelling at him and shit about like him, like, you know, basically saying like he's like fucking Megan Fox. Because you know, uh, Machine Gun Kelly's dating Megan Fox. I did not know that. Yeah. yeah. So, and he was saying, he was saying like Megan's in his DMs and shit. He was like holding out his phone and stuff. And then he like, oh. and, then, and then Machine Gun Kelly turns around and like started coming at him. And Connor took a swing at him. And the security guards pulled him away, and then Connor took his water bottle and threw his fucking water bottle. I at saw him. that. Oh. He's like, he "Fuck you!" Just like fucking trust this water bottle to yeah. Chico Kelly. Here was another writer who said you could clearly tell which side the crowd was on. I saw Machine Gun Kelly tonight. How was that? It sucked ass, dude. I heard that. Uh, wait. Okay. I heard that. Uh, first of all, I heard that he was like just getting booed, like people were just shitting on him. Basically. Yeah, we we booed and heckled the shit out of him. Really? Um, yeah, because he talked a lot of shit about Slipknot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we're here. It's like a big metal festival, right? So he basically said he was like these old guys that have to wear masks to perform. Like fuck those guys. Like fuck those pussies. Like talking about Slipknot. And so like obviously everybody there is like a metalhead, so they're all there for like Slipknot, like disturbed corn. And, like the whole lineup. Yeah. So he got on stage and like half the crowd was like, "Fuck you!" No, fuck it was like you, more than half. It was. It was probably. Bro, it was probably ninety percent of people there. It was so ridiculous. What is it word? Hostile. Hostile. Yeah. Like he was on stage. He was like, he's like, "Hey, I know you guys are booing me. This is my anniversary." Remember? And like, chill Imagine out. You're like, about to fuck sing. you. And everybody's fucking. <laughs> Boy, Everybody was searching there like slip, not oh, fuck dude. you, slip. They were like not. fuck you, fuck you. Oh, every song they booed, it was hilarious. And he kept trying to like make the crowd like we're here together, and yeah, like no. I appreciate that you're fans of music. Like, and everybody's like fuck you, fuck you. That's great. <laughs> so bad. Well, and then and then so disturbed was the final act. And so disturbed comes out and he's wearing like the Hannibal Lecter mask when he's doing down with the sickness. And so he's got the mask on, and he goes, he goes, hey, I'm just another old guy in a mask. And everybody was like, yeah, <laughs> fuck Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, bro, <laughs> like, everyone booing a Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, nuts, dude. And then he sums it up pretty well with this one right here. Did you hear those guys behind us? Like, 
Like there was like a group of like 15 guys like the entire time Machine Gun Kelly was playing just like cheering. Yeah. The entire time I was like, okay, these guys really love Slipknot. Slipknot's not even here. What's happening? That would have been awesome if Slipknot would have gone on after him and just fucking just destroyed I, his I ass. Think Slipknot would have like literally just, uh, I don't know those guys, but I assume they would just sacrifice the <laughs> At some point... I'm speaking with another couple about MGK and his recent string of beefs and basically how he's blackballing himself out of all these genres. I said, so, okay, let me get this straight. Again, I'm learning all of this stuff on the fly and I'm just like loving it, okay? You give, <laughs> if you give a mouse a cookie, he's gonna want a glass of milk. If you feed some Gemini some piping hot tea, they're going to want to hook their mouth up to the fire hydrant and drink straight from the nozzle. Give me more, okay? So I'm learning about all this stuff, and as I go along, I'm like talking to this couple, and I'm like, okay, so let me get this straight, right? He pisses off rap fans about Eminem, and then basically has to leave rap. So then he switches to metal, and now he's pissing off all these metal fans. Pretty soon, he's going to have nowhere else left to go except for Christian music, right? Which led to this really funny moment with these fellow South Park fans. I'm not like a huge Slipknot guy, but I know like, hey, you don't piss off all the Slipknot fans. Yeah. Those, those dudes are crazy. <laughs> They're the ones wearing face masks and stabbing people. Like, <laughs> you, you don't mess with those guys. <laughs> At some point, I'm speaking with another couple about MGK and his recent string of beefs and basically how he's blackballing himself out of all these genres. I said, so, okay, let me get this straight. Again, I'm learning all of this stuff on the fly, and I'm just like loving it, okay? You give, <laughs> if you give a mouse a cookie, he's gonna want a glass of milk. If you feed some Gemini some piping hot tea, they're going to want to hook their mouth up to the fire hydrant and drink straight from the nozzle. Give me more, okay? So I'm learning about all this stuff, and as I go along, I'm like talking to this couple, and I'm like, okay, so let me get this straight, right? He pisses off rap fans about Eminem and then basically has to leave rap. So then he switches to metal and now he's pissing off all these metal fans. Pretty soon, he's going to have nowhere else left to go except for Christian music, right? Which led to this really funny moment with these fellow South Park fans. Like, do you remember the South Park episode where they go Christian, Christian rock hard? Yes, absolutely, man. We don't, oh, man, he we don't go park. platinum. We don't go platinum. We don't go merch. Motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> you can't say that. Yeah. He said, fuck Jesus. He <laughs> said, fuck Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Eric, you can't say that. Oh, Eric. <laughs> Fuck Jesus. <laughs> awesome stuff right there. Now, I have a clip that somebody posted where you can hear the crowd's response to MGK, and this video has gone viral. This is the one that a lot of the media outlets are running with. It's pretty funny.
some strong, sweaty guy and fucking crowd surf on up here. This next song goes like this, because clearly people won't know. All I know is I don't know nothing. People talk, but they don't do nothing. All the beautiful girls in the crowd, hello. Dude, here's the weird thing, is that maybe I'm crazy, okay? <laughs> maybe, you know? But maybe I'm crazy, but I actually don't hate the sound of that song. And I went ahead, because I'm such a committed and dedicated Big J journalist, I went ahead and listened to some MGK songs off of that Tickets to My Downfall album in researching for this episode. And I gotta say, I don't hate it. I know that sounds crazy, but I actually don't hate it. It was co-produced by Blink-182's drummer, Travis Barker. So you can really hear a lot of Blink-182 in the way that it sounds. And even in that clip right there, like if you're a Blink-182 fan, and I talk about this Middle School Me playlist that's available on Apple Music and on Spotify that I put together, pretty fire. But during middle school, I was a rap fan and I was also a punk rock fan. Like I love, I love... 2000s punk rock, some 41, Newfound Glory, Blink-182, Anti-Flag, Fallout Boy. There was a lot of bands that I listened to back in the day that I still fuck with and I love a lot. Blink-182 and some 41 are just on another level for me, you know? But you can hear a lot of that Blink influence because Travis Barker, their drummer, co-produced this album, which is pretty cool. And by the way, Tickets to My Downfall actually went platinum and was <laughs> Machine Gun Kelly's first number one on the Billboard 200. Out of all the rap albums that he put out, his pop punk one went number one, the only one to do it. So, kind of cool, okay? And honestly, after hearing some of those songs on the album... And after hearing that snippet, that video is actually way longer. It's like maybe four minutes and I just kept in a shorter version of it, okay? Mainly the part where he's going off the stage and ending. And he does sound like a total chotch bag in between that. So the stuff about him being cringy in between the songs, totally accurate. But the music itself, I don't know that I actually hate it or am ready to say that he sucks at it, you know? just based off of what the, the very small sample size that I've listened to. But, and by the way, like, like I said, you know, platinum album, first number one on the Billboard 200. And not only this, now on Sunday, I did about 24 rides. On Saturday, I did 22. And on Sunday, because I basically felt like I had everything that I needed to make this episode, I really didn't take as many detailed notes on conversations that I was having, or I really didn't, I wasn't as engaged as much as I was on Friday and Saturday because I was so exhausted. I mean, I was up until almost 5 a.m. on Saturday night, and then I woke up, showered, 
put on the same clothes from the day before and got right back in the car and started driving. And I did not stop until about 10 p.m. on Sunday night. It was late. I was exhausted. So I was a little bit, my, my energy level was still there a little bit in some capacity. Like I was able to have conversations with people, but in terms of just, yeah, I, I was down. I was, I was pretty down. I was gassed. But because of that, I really didn't feel like going through all of that audio and combing through to get this last clip. It exists, okay? I'm not just saying this. I'm not making this up. I have no reason to lie about this, honestly. Like, if you think that I'm lying, ask yourself, what motive do I possibly have by saying what I'm about to say, okay? Is that I did speak to one girl who said that MGK was awesome, was her favorite performer that she saw all weekend, and she said, no, I don't know where people are getting this. Nobody around me was booing. I couldn't hear the boos and that she was a huge MGK fan. But I asked her where she was in the crowd, and she said she was one of the people who were closest to the railing as you could possibly get, so she was front and center, and that to me tells me everything that I need to know, you know, about these conflicting reports. So I did talk to somebody that said, no, actually he was great, I loved him, didn't hear any of those boos, but honey, that's because you're in the middle of the most dedicated fan section in the crowd. You know what I mean? Like, of course, none of the people who are around you are going to be booing because if you're front and center on the stage, you're probably a pretty big fan. You probably got there pretty early to camp out for that spot. You, you're you not leaving. Like, you're locking it down because you want to see whoever's coming up there. And people who are not in that section are the ones booing. You know what I mean? So I think that's a bias that she had where she's surrounded. And it just it just goes to show you like different perspectives, different narratives, different things. You can have one person who's front and center like she was that to her, everybody in the crowd was feeling it because everybody around her that's right there in the middle of it is feeling it, you know, because they're all huge fans. But then you can ask somebody that wasn't right there and was back on the wings or towards the back of the crowd and you talk to them and those are the people who were shooting those videos where you all you see is like a sea of middle fingers, booze, and people saying that MGK sucked and that he's a douchebag and this and that and this and that. So it just goes to show you like the the conflicting reports on that is is going to be largely based on one where you were standing and that is dictated by who you're a fan of. Because if you're a fan of MGK, of course you're going to say that he was great, that nobody was booing, that it was a great show. And if you're a fan of Corey Taylor and Slipknot or Eminem, then obviously you're going to be like, no, dude, fuck that guy. He sucks. Everybody was dogging on him. He's not even a good singer. Like the, 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 the couple that I talked to that were like both Eminem and Slipknot fans, like they just shit on him the whole time. And that shows their bias, right? Like, obviously, if they're two fans of those groups, then they're going to be like, dude, fuck MGK. But MGK fans who are in the crowd that are watching him perform are like, oh, my God, that was amazing, right? So it just it go, it just goes to show kind of like where people were at. But all of the media reports and the outlets are saying that he got booed and 
he's on Twitter, like, and, you know, of course, like, he grabs the one tweet from the person that was in the middle of that section being like, oh, you were awesome. Everybody around me had a great time. And MGK's on Twitter, like, basically saying fake news, fake news, fake news about everybody else. Like, oh, the media wants to push this narrative that people hated me and people were booing me. And it's like, well, that's because more people were doing that than more people were posting videos of all the support and cheering you on. You know what I mean? So it's not that, like, the media is lying and that they're pushing fake news and spreading false narratives it's just that more people were booing than more people were cheering. At least in terms of the people that I talked to that were there and everything else that I've seen, there's really not a lot of people that were like, oh, awesome show, dude. You killed it, you know? And I think that boils down to who people are a fan of. Who people are a fan of. And that comes down to bias, you know? We all have them. Um, but... All in all, learning about the beefs between Eminem, and again, I, I learned this stuff all this weekend, so I had no idea that he had transitioned into rock, and uh, I gotta say though, you know, listening to his album, Tickets to My Downfall, there's some songs on there that I don't hate, that I actually kind of like, and that sound exactly like some of the Blink-182 stuff that I like, and because it's not that I like MGK, it's that I like the sound of the music that he's putting out. Like, I said the same thing about Donda, okay? There's a lot of Donda that I could do without that I think is trash. There's also a handful of songs, like probably 10 or 11 songs on Donda that I really, really like. And it's not necessarily because Kanye is saying anything groundbreaking or that makes me want to tweet it because it's such a hard bar or good lyric or anything. It's just simply the fact that I like the sound of Kanye's voice on the sound of Kanye produced beats. And I and I, I just I like the sound of it. So uh yeah, when it comes to MGK, I'm not gonna lie. Like I kinda think some of that album is kinda good. And again, I have no reason to sit here and and, and push a narrative one way or the other. Because I promise you, after this, I will never ever give another shit about metal or probably do another segment on this show about metal. It's not to offend any of my metal fans out there, but it's just, it's just not me, you know? That's just not me. And, but I, I just, I love the fact that this episode could be so metal, like, like revolving around metal and that we could do it for an episode because it is kind of fun. It was kind of fun to peel back the curtain and learn about this, this lifestyle, the loudmouth lifestyle, um, learn about Slipknot and and Corey Taylor and all these different bands. And and again, I talk about this all the time, but getting to do what I do, I love the fact that I get to learn a little about a lot. And this weekend, I learned a lot about a lot. And it was fun. It was really fun. Okay, final story. I wanted to end with this one. The reason that I love festivals so much is what this writer touches on right here. And we get kind of deep. Because there's something special about being in a crowd of people, man. Whether that's live music or a sporting event or whatever, there's just something about it that just feels different and hits different. We were talking about being back and being able to do things as fully vaccinated people and starting to go to things like shows and like games. 
and I was telling him about being down on the field for the U of L game last week, and I talked about what that was like watching this wave of energy as people stand up for third down and get loud and the crowds into it and they're cheering. And I was like, it feels really good. Doesn't it? Doesn't it feel good to be back in crowds again? You can feel it. You can feel it. In your chest, man. You can feel it. For sure. That's 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 what I've always got from like going out to see live music. It's just the wave of energy, like you said, the wave of energy, the liveness, just how it feels in your body. And I miss that so much, you know, just doing it a lot. I've never, I've never been able to get away from it. Just togetherness and just how much it brings people together. Yeah. People that don't normally come together, actually. But everybody's one at that moment. There's a synergy there, and he talked about differences, and it's one of the reasons that I love festivals, and I love the vibe that exists there, because it's like, I, you know, and I, and I talked about this coming off of Columbus, is that I love the fact that you can be in a crowd at a music festival, and you're there based on this shared common interest and a love and a passion for something whether it be a metal band or whether it be a DJ or a rapper, if you're in the crowd, you're there because you love the music, you love the experience, you love the vibes, you love the energy, and probably because you love the artist. And I love the fact that you can link up with people that you might not ever otherwise link up with. You know, when you start talking, like, like let's put it this way, if... You had to look at a feed. Imagine you're on Facebook, okay? Here we go. Imagine you're on Facebook and you're looking at this feed of posts by people who are going to be in the crowd at a festival that you're about to attend, okay? You don't know any of these people. You're just going off of some of their most recent things that they've posted, okay? You're probably going to disagree and unfriend and unfollow the fuck out of a lot of those people because you do not align with what they're saying and what they believe in politically, socially, religiously, money-wise, anything, okay? You're probably going to have some huge differences. But going into it not knowing any of that stuff and meeting people in the crowd that are just there like yourself to appreciate the music and feel the energy of the people. It doesn't matter what somebody believes in or what they talk about online. In that moment, you just exist as two people who are fans of the same thing that are there to have a good time, dance, mosh, drink, grab onto the person next to you and throw your heads back and sing at the top of your lungs. Like It doesn't matter, but that's the camaraderie that he's talking about is that no matter the differences, regardless the differences that you know exist in some of these people, (laughs) polar opposites on so many different levels, for one night and a couple hours, 
There's a coexistence there. There's a synergy that exists in between everybody where artists and fans alike, from them to even like the vendors and the security guards, there's a synergy there. And that's a shared energy amongst the people. And it's, it's why I love going to festivals is because, by and large, I talked about walking around and giving everybody fist bumps, you know? In so many ways, like, I would love to be a pit ref official. Now, not, I wouldn't take it that serious, right? But I am absolutely the guy that if I saw somebody fall down, I would absolutely make sure that they were able to get up safely. You know what I mean? And I'm always the guy that's kind of like encouraging people to move around, to dance, to do it, you know? Do the fucking thing that we all came here to do. I'm that guy. I'm the assist leader, you know? I'm a man of the people. I walk around, I give fist bumps, and I love giving and getting that energy back so much, so much, so much that I go to these things alone just to do that, you know what I mean? And here's this guy getting super deep and philosophical about it, and I just, I really thought that that ride was a really cool way to wrap things up, and as he was telling me about getting that itch and finally being ready to get back out there and then finding Louder Than Life and being like, baby, you want to go to Kentucky? And telling me how their plans came together. He does all of that in this next clip and he ends with a pretty nice compliment as well. I was like searching. I was like, concerts, concerts. God damn, they got to be something. Nothing was down south. And then I kept searching, searching. I was like, Raquel's fucking... Louisville, Kentucky, they have fucking louder than life. It's everybody I'm wanting to see for a fucking age. A long time. I want to see them. She's like, bye, baby. I'm like, yeah. There we go. Bought the tickets. I've been wanting to see all these bands forever. It just worked out, man. I hope you guys have a great time tomorrow. Oh, thank you, man. And have some safe travel back to Louisiana. You're an amazing Uber, man. <laughs> you don't, you don't over talk, <laughs> and you fucking you you talk just talk. enough. Yeah. This is what I'm here to do, you know. Fucking amazing. I like it. So I'm just like, shut the fuck up. It's too much. All right, guys. Great, man. I like you. Thank All you. Right. Enjoy. All right. <laughs> always nice to hear feedback like that and you know what believe it or not that is not the first time that i've had a male writer tell me that he loved me i actually hear it kind of a lot and i'm okay with it you know i, I love you too you know i love the love so all of it is welcomed but that dude was just super chill and you could just tell you know he really appreciated just being there and the experience he was so mellow dude he was just like yeah, man, like, you know, well, that maybe sounded like a bad Bill Clinton impersonation, but you know what I mean, you know, you know what I mean, is that that was cool, and that there are those people in there. Now, if we started talking about different stuff, political issues, social issues, all that kind of stuff, you know, we probably, you might find out you actually don't vibe with these people as much as you think you do at the surface level, but you know what? Sometimes it's nice just to forget all about that stuff and just go out there and be like, oh yeah, life isn't Twitter. People can actually come together and coexist as one and 
that's a beautiful thing. And only music and live sports, really even more just the music, man. You know, because even, you know, even in sporting events, everybody thinks that they're the smartest sports guy that ever lived and you get a bunch of drunk guys that are arguing about a bunch of bullshit and it's a fucking dick measuring contest. But when it comes to music, you don't have anybody back there going, I think I know more than the coach or that guy's an idiot or she can't sing. Like nobody in the crowd thinks that they can do their job better than the person up there doing it. So you get this really, really beautiful blend of people who are just there to appreciate it and appreciate the art and just the vibes. And I love that. I really do. All right, guys, that's it. This was a, this was a fun one, you know? Very different, okay? Very different pace. Never thought I would do an Uber Stories episode or even just, I never thought I would do a podcast episode about Louder Than Life, but yet here we are. And you know what? I actually think it went pretty well. You guys be the judge and let me know on social media at BennyTomp18 or at RealTalkWBennyT. Share the episode with a friend or somebody that you think would enjoy hearing this stuff. Um, Please drop me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. That really, really helps me out. I would really appreciate if you did that. For my Spotify people or anybody that listens to podcasts anywhere else besides Apple, you can also do me a huge favor by leaving a rating and a review on the Facebook page for the show at Real Talk W Benny T. Uh, continue to hashtag I Ride with Benny T across all social media channels. Be kind to people. Be back next week. I'm gonna have just again. I don't know if it's gonna be an interview. I have an interview that I could release, or it might just be a Hey guys, I'm on the road. I'll be back in uh, next week. Uber Stories Part 35. I'm kind of leaning towards that. Well, I'll have something for you, okay? I'll have something for you. So tune in next week, and uh, I will definitely have a lot of good stories to be sharing. Uh, also, you can follow along on social media, any of the channels that I just plugged, and you can see some of the dope stuff that we're going to be doing out west. So really excited to get out there and spend some quality time with Maddie and my mom and my sister. And um, I need this, you know? I need this disconnect. I really, really do. So I'll talk to you guys soon. I'm Ben Tompkins. That's real talk.